This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Mind Your Own Podcast with Aaron Sorensen and Sasha Durkin. Where we stick to sports, except when we're not. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Own Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Sasha. And that lovely humming you may or may not hear in the background, I don't know, I'm very self-conscious about right now, is my computer. It has just decided it is having a day. It is <laughs> It is not yet done with... Well, I, I say that. I say this like, oh, it wanted a longer holiday weekend, like my computer was getting some kind of break. Um, <laughs> I I always laugh. Um, I Sasha and I work around a lot of people who have more traditional eight to five Monday through Friday roles. Mm-hmm. And um, they always <laughs> will wish me like a happy long weekend. And I'm like, well, well. I'm working. <laughs> Um, so I, I was about to be like, my computer has had a long weekend. No, it hasn't. Um, it absolutely did not have any kind of break. It was basically a full normal weekend outside of, uh, one day for Thanksgiving. So it's fine. Hey. It's just, it's, it's needing a break <laughs> is what I should probably say. My computer is go. ready for a break. Uh, Sasha, how was your holiday weekend? Um, it was it was good. It was well, and I say that because <laughs> uh, there was just some things that happened work wise that were a little stressful. And then uh, I was like, you know what, I I will deal with the rest of this on Monday when I return to work. So I did put my computer in its bag and put it away. Um, That's good. On Thanksgiving Day, I did some work on Sunday because I always do. Um, but it was good. It was nice good. to uh, to just be at home and around family for a few days. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely, um, what's interesting about certain weeks in sports, Mm -hmm. which if you are a sports fan or if you are somebody who works even adjacently around anyone who works in sports, uh, allow me to give you some (laughs) background. Um, some of the busiest weeks of the year are actually holiday weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last week was very busy because at that point, you're still running into football, volleyball, basketball. Now, if Nebraska's football team had been bowl eligible, December also stays really busy. In fact, some of the busiest times of the year starts to get into the latter half of November and through December. And... um, if I could offer a piece of advice to anyone, if you know, like I said, if you know anyone who works in sports or around sports, as much as you can, try not to do that thing where you're like, have a great long weekend or hopefully you get some time off. Because I, I understand the intention is there. Like, mm-hmm. I understand the intent. But it, it's 
I think just say have a nice holiday. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really hard to kind of then have to be like, yeah, thanks. And then um, people are like shocked that you're working. Mm-hmm. It's just such a strange um just a strange dynamic so i no, i'm i think of that too for the record i'm saying it like it's just people who work in sports i think of that a lot with like people who work in the medical field who are healthcare professionals people who work in hotels the hospitality industry Mm. like hospitality is another one where like people don't get the traditional days off that other people do and so i try to be very cognizant and i'm not great at it but i try to be really cognizant of the fact that like just being aware of the fact that people's schedules are different than mine and like, you know, the things that I enjoy are made possible because of the work other people are doing. Um, that kind of helps me put things into perspective, but I've worked in the hotel hospitality industry for one year and y'all like, that is so tough. Like there are Mm. front desk agents who are there, because somebody has to be at the front desk 24 hours a day. Right. So those are people who it does not matter if it's Christmas, if it's um, the first day of Hanukkah, if it's um, insert any right. any potential holiday here, it, it, they're working. And okay, I'm sitting here thinking like news anchors. Like, yeah. Anyway, my point is schedules are very untraditional and I don't know why it kind of always is like so hard when people are like enjoy your long weekend and I'm like womp womp right not because I like it's not because I think they're like they're not trying to hurt my feelings by any means it just makes me kind of like well I'm still working yeah (laughs) I uh when I was in high school well and I mean I just think back to being in high school because like I I had like two jobs uh, my senior year and I worked at Walgreens was one of them. And mm-hmm. the other one, I worked at a hospital, <laughs> um, but people would come in on, you know, Thanksgiving or whatever holiday because Walgreens, I don't know anymore if they have more than one day a year that they're closed, but they are open every single day of the year, except for Christmas day. And people would come in on like Thanksgiving, for example, and be like, I can't believe you guys are open. And every time because I was like 17 at the time, I'd be like, well, we're open because people like you are here. And like when you, when you think of just be cognizant of the fact that other people may not have a long weekend. Yeah. Maybe and just be nice to people. Yeah, like if no you have kidding. to run into a store or anything that, like I said, if anything that is available to you, whether, whether it's like being able to run into a grocery store mm-hmm. or being able to watch the sports that you enjoy, or, you know, knowing that you have healthcare available to you if something were to happen. In fact, I was like driving by, um, an urgent pet care on, Thanksgiving night and it was packed and I'm sure I was like thinking about that a little bit where I'm like I'm sure those are days where like dogs because there's a lot of um, unknown food substances that end up on the floor or end up you know just getting given to them yeah you have family members who maybe aren't familiar with that animal and I shouldn't just say dogs dogs cats everything but there's a lot of potential for you know things to go awry on a day like that and so I'm passing this urgent pet care and I'm like thank goodness these places exist and that there are people who are willing to work right now because when this this type of um a holiday that uh, essentially is based on I mean holidays are hard because everybody gets out of schedule a little bit like I Mm -hmm. said there's food and things involved that 
probably aren't good for your animals and people get into things, accidents happen. And so it's like, thank goodness those places exist. So you have an option if you need one. And I don't know, I was just this interesting moment of like reflection for me where I'm driving past the surgeon pet care on Thanksgiving night. And I'm like, thank goodness for people who have this, this, this veterinarian office open right now so that people have a place to go if they need to, and they don't have to worry about their pets if something happens. I was just like, I don't know. It it gave me a deeper appreciation again for uh, people who are in a non-traditional role or have chosen non-traditional roles. And when I'm starting to say all of this, I'm, I, I am like the least important in all of this. Like sports are not important in the big thing. Goodness for healthcare workers and our veterinarians. Yeah. And everybody who like makes it possible for us to have safe, long holiday weekends because they still work. Mm-hmm. I just, I think my bigger point is, and I was using myself because I'm, I'm a selfish, I'm a selfish oh Libra. <laughs> um, I just, I think being cognizant that not everyone has the same same schedule that you do. So appreciating, I'm saying, don't come like be like, thank you so much for working on Black Friday so I can enjoy Husker football. No, don't do that. I'm meaning more like, I mean, pretty much everyone else. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying, don't wish me a long weekend because it makes me sad. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Oh, it's just been, I don't know. I... I was telling Sasha, I, I was like, we walked into this episode and I was like, I just don't know what to talk about. But it has been, I will be honest, like when I was saying that this is a busy time of year mm-hmm. for anyone, like if you aren't a big sports fan and you listen to this podcast, that's totally fine. But some context is um, December has notoriously become a time of year for sports where things like the transfer portal, um, coaching, the coaching carousel just become really intense. Yeah. A lot of change happens this year has been particularly wild, but I I think a lot of people have started to look at like the transfer portal as this, like, well, we knew this was going to happen. No, 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 no. Like Mm. transfers always happened no matter what the difference now is. Yes, they do have the transfer portal and the, if the ability to go elsewhere, if they so choose, they've always had the, ability to do so depending on their circumstance they might have to sit out a year and all that stuff but regardless um you also now have the early signing period in mid-december which makes all of this even more chaotic it has definitely moved things forward because coaching changes that would have originally probably waited until january because they wanted to see the bowl games and everything out places don't want to wait that long because like the situation that nebraska is currently in is it's really hard to go into a a recruit's home and tell them what to expect when you don't even have an offensive coordinator to tell them like hey this is what you have to look forward to or this is our vision because you literally don't have the visionary there to talk about it so this time of year is like absolutely bonkers in college athletics that that has always been the case it's just the timeline has moved forward more than I would say it ever has in the Mm -hmm. past and this year is particularly wild like I said the thing I mentioned to Sasha though that I, I think if, if I can offer any just perspective from my role in this world of sports, there's going to be a lot of talk about the money that people are making. And it's, it's, it's wild. Yeah. I shared this tweet like totally joking yesterday, but I said, aside from the fact that you hardly sleep, you barely see your family for most of the year and that you could be fired at really any moment. I really picked the wrong career path from a financial standpoint because 
Ch- uh, Brian Kelly, I almost said Chip Kelly. Brian <laughs> Kelly uh, was at Notre Dame. He's accepted the job at LSU. He is going to be making $15 million a year. Jimbo Fisher's, like, I remember when we were, like, that 10-year, $75 million deal. That one was wild. Then you have freaking Lincoln Riley. Let me go pull up his whole deal. That thing is bizarre. Like, I mean, good for you. Get that money. But they are, like, where is it? It was, oh, this was not confirmed. So by the way, when I'm reading this, but this was, this was the initial amount that came out and I could just do the like diligence of going and finding it. But like, it's somewhere around this, like 110 million over his contract. Um, they're going to buy both of his homes in Norman and his home in Los Angeles. He'll have unlimited use of a private jet for his family. Like the man is not going to be hurting at all. Now I, mm. I don't like moving. So even with the help of other people, it kind of gives me uh, a little bit of anxiety, which is part of the problem for me. Uh, but the thing that I think is really important here and Brian Floyd is who tweeted this and I'm just going to read it verbatim. There's a lot of college football assistant coaches being tossed into a wild mixer suddenly that have no control over it all. It's an incredibly rough business. Assistant coaches, like I think a lot of times people go, I don't feel sorry for coaches. They make a ton of money. But in the case of assistant coaches, they are usually paid nowhere near the amount that they're, I mean, they're paid a lot of money. But when you think about the time that they put in, they're usually like, I think of like Mario Verduzco at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. We found out he was basically at the stadium every day at three thirty ish in the morning. And he was probably there until like late, late evening, if not like, you know, nine, 10, whatever PM, like the, the man wasn't sleeping. Um, I don't really care about what you think as far as the job that he did, right. the hours of time he put in for the amount he was paid ends up not really coming. Like he, he's not getting paid. He is not being compensated in the way that say Scott Frost is for his time. And that's the thing that we kind of have to take a step back with these, these announcements and remember is there are a lot of assistant coaches who just found out because their head coach went and took a job elsewhere and they are not guaranteed to go with them Mm -hmm. that you may now be without a job. And I saw somebody ask. I was just like, going to say, they're not only are they not guaranteed to go with the coach, but they're also not guaranteed to keep their job where they're currently employed. Exactly. And I mean, that's the thing. So Chris Vanini, <laughs> Chris Vanini uh, quote tweeted Brian Floyd's tweet and added this extra contact context. So I'm going to just read his as well. This is the really hard part of it all. The assistants who are who are not making millions of dollars. Some are in a bad spot, lose their job, and face an uphill climb. Some do a great job, but the head coach doesn't take them to the next spot. A really tough feeling. As always, remember that these are people. Most assistant coaches work 24-7 and are looking for a new job every few years and don't when don't know when or if it'll end. That's incredibly hard on a family. You see it up close and you don't know why anyone would ever sign up for it. They all start off earning nothing, but they love football. You hear things about being a coach's wife and think it's cliche, but no, that shit is real. They sacrifice a lot. Mm -hmm. And the thing for me that I've always thought with like assistant coaches is so for instance, most assistant coaches don't have some kind of like major guarantee that like your assistant coaches do assistant or excuse me, head coaches, Mm -hmm. head coaches when they're fired have a buyout assistant coaches 
do kind of, but they're usually tied to the head coach in some way. Mm -hmm. So for instance, and I'd have to go get into the semantics of his contract, but there are some things where like, if, um, if Scott Frost were to be like, this was something I'd have to, like I said, I'd need to go reread his contract, but like there was something about how his assistant coaches were tied to him, depending on if he was fired or if he ever just quit on his own, Mm -hmm. or if he chose to leave Nebraska where they would or would not be guaranteed their salary. If they're fired, they're guaranteed the remainder of whatever they had left in their contract. So like if their contract is up in January, they're paid until that point. But there are, there are things with assistant contracts that are tied directly to the head coach and Mm -hmm. are dependent on decisions that the head coach makes, whether they're fired whether they choose to leave on their own, whatever. And that is a really tough spot because I'm just going to be honest with you. This is a really good way for uh, coaches and assistant coaches to ruin relationships with one another Uh in this entire scenario, because it, it, it might be business, but it feels really personal to somebody who's like, great. I now don't have a way to pay the bills or Mm -hmm. take care of my family. Like that's, that's a really like, when you hear stories of like assistants and head coaches no longer being friends, a lot of it comes down to situations like this. Yeah. At the end of it, ultimately your livelihood is also affected. And typically it's a lot, you're in a a worse situation because especially like, for example, in this scenario with a a head coach, you know, they're going to, like you said, they're going to have that guaranteed money, but maybe there's something contractually in your contract that's like, well, see ya. And you don't have any money coming in at all. Yeah, sure. There's unemployment and things like that. But like at the end of the day, a lot of, a lot of these folks have families and and children and house payments and bills just like the rest of us do. So like when you're kind of, I don't like, (laughs) like when you're out on your ass, um, it sucks. And I know, like, nobody feels sorry for, like, at the same time, like, yeah. assistant coaches, I get it. They're still making a lot of money. They're still making more than I do in a year. But at the same time, there is just, like, a level of uncertainty that, mm. like, I just think having that perspective of, like, I don't, I you just kind of have to have that perspective of, like, this person on the other end of it is feeling very much, like, they're feeling pressure. They're mm-hmm. maybe, I think a lot... <laughs> So I think a lot of like people like, um, and I know I've brought this up on even this podcast before, but I've said this to other people. I think of someone like Mike Cavanaugh, mm. who um, was Nebraska's offensive line coach under Mike Riley. And I am not in any way implying to you that, you know, Mike Riley or Mike Cavanaugh or whomever was the right fit at Nebraska. But Mike Cavanaugh was somebody who had idolized the Nebraska pipeline. Like Mm he, he looked at Milt Tenniper as like the, the king. And so to have the job that he did at Nebraska meant an immense amount to him. So for him, when he lost that job, it wasn't even a financial like heartbreak for him. Like I'm sure there was that where it's like, well, crap, I gotta go find another job somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, but for him, there was a lot of heartbreak and like this was sort of his, well, not sort of, it really was his dream job. And to have to go through those emotions of like losing that while you also have to deal with fans basically saying good riddance, you don't deserve to be here. Mm-hmm. Like that is a lot to kind of have to process. And I really hope, I really hope a lot of um, athletic departments, whether it's at the collegiate level or at the professional level, I, 
coaches need therapists because the, the crap you're asked to endure because you get paid a lot of money. Now I, I am guilty of saying this. So I will say this. They are paid enough money to take your criticism. And that is totally fine. Mm -hmm. I am not saying like, don't criticize someone for bad work. Like, absolutely. There is, there is a fair, healthy, real, realistic dose of criticism that should happen. But at the same time, I think it's acknowledging that like, hey, let's maybe not pile on when this could have been like a really like this was the dream for this person or Mm -hmm. this was something. It just I think just being like aware of the fact that this is more than just a job. It's a life for Mm -hmm. people. They give up time with their families. They give up time with um, the people that matter to them, they basically absorb themselves into this and they don't do it for nearly as much money as the head coach. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, they typically get crapped all over in the end. Like people, mm. people are pretty ruthless. And again, that doesn't, I'm not implying that you can't be critical. Criti- criticism is one thing. It's when you start to be just mean spirited. Yeah. And also I pulled up, I pulled up Matt Lubick's old contract and I'm now reading it to see, um, how this whole thing works. Cause I, I want to remember, cause he, he was directly tied to the coach. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Some of those, those contracts are wild. If like you go look them up and it's public record because they are state employees. So, um, yeah, some of the verbiage in there is like, what Why would you, I mean, I get why you agree to it, but at the same time, sometimes it can be pretty wild. Okay, so the coach's continued employment is contingent upon the continued employment of the head football coach. Accordingly, if the head football coach's employment with the university should end for any reason during the term of this agreement, the coach's employment in this agreement will terminate on the same date that the head football coach's employment ends, and the university shall be released from all further obligations to the coach under this agreement, including without limitation any further obligations to compensate the coach in any manner. So basically, that's all saying... If Scott Frost is terminated without cause, his assistants are also terminated mm-hmm. at that moment. The difference is Scott Frost would receive a buyout. His assistant coaches would, would not. not. Um, the university may also terminate a coach's employment without cause by notifying the coach either verbally or in writing that they're going to do this. Um, let's see. Although if terminated Perswant to this subparagraph, the obligations regarding the payment and mitigation of liquidated damages contained within the section of the agreement shall survive. So basically, if, um, here it is, if the university exercises its right to terminate the coach's employment without cause, so this is like the head coach is still in charge, but the university has decided that they're going to part ways with this individual assistant or coordinator, um, the university within its sole direction will either continue to pay the coach as liquidated damages, his monthly base salary through the remainder of the period that he would have been employed under the, in terms of this agreement, or they can just pay a lump sum to just get that right. off of the books. Yep. So basically if you are an assistant coach in most of these contracts, the worst thing that happens is if your head coach is fired mm-hmm. and you don't have another, you don't, they don't take you with you. Um, they don't, take you with that is what I was trying to say because Lincoln Riley for instance when he got off the plane in Los Angeles had four of his Oklahoma assistants with him but he didn't bring all of them he didn't Mm -hmm. do what Scott Frost did when he came from Central Florida and in fact that's fairly rare people were very critical of Scott Frost for bringing 
all of his assistance with him because in most cases people want to show up and feel like you're not only going to build the staff that you want but maybe you retain somebody that's already there i know in the case of usc there's been a lot of conversation about does graham harrell maybe stay at usc does dante williams maybe stay at usc those are both coaching positions that Lincoln Riley did not bring with him mm-hmm. to USC. So that is potential. Um, I know like in the case of um, Graham Harrell, he's got a ton of interest now. So like, heck, Lincoln Riley may end up finding himself not even uh, with the coach that he maybe wanted because maybe he has another offer elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Regardless, the point is there's no real guarantee when you're head coach moves accepts another job you get left in limbo and like in the case of in the case of this so this is part i didn't read in the contract because this is different than being fired this is different than this is a coach willingly choosing to move on yeah in a lot of cases what ends up happening is those coaches are essentially like retained until the new person is hired and that person essentially fires them so this is all now that person would then be compensated through the end of their agreement but at the same time that's just a lot of uncertainty and we're not even talking about the support staff that may up these different departments i just i think a lot of like my experiences with nebraska there was a football video department that had existed prior to scott frost that had been built up by very specific group like a very specific group of people yeah. it had started under Bo Pelini. mike riley had retained this group when scott was hired he decided he wanted to bring his team from central florida and so these these support staff members we're now without a job. They were having to look, well, where am I going to move my family? Where am I going to go? Mm-hmm. And that's just like, that is really, that is really, really hard. It really is. Yeah. It, um, like, I think the whole, the whole point of having this conversation is like, don't forget how big the staff is underneath a head coach. Like there's a lot of people involved that, that help, grow a program, help move it along, help, you know, coach and support and, and do all the things that, that are brought to you on a, you know, a Friday or a Saturday during college football season. Um, so don't forget that other people's lives are at stake. Um, yeah. And we're just, we're just talking about football. Like yeah. you start to get into other sports and like other sports are not compensated in the way that football is yeah. not at all. I mean, just the discrepancy between even like women's sports Mm -hmm. and men's sports and how coaches are compensated from one to the next. It is, it is wild. And I think, you know, you get into these jobs because you love them. It's Mm -hmm. true. Like I, I would say every single person I have worked with in this, this industry gets into it because they love it. And that is whether you're support staff, an assistant coach, a head coach, a member of the media, um, the person that is, I mean, I think of the people that are, that work at all of these events who operate the elevators, who Mm. um, check people in, they check your bags, they tag your bags. They are every single person at all of these events are doing it because they love it. I Mm -hmm. promise you in a lot of cases, they're not being fairly compensated for their work or their time, but they do it because they love it. And for me, I, I just think sometimes taking a step back and like realizing that like, 
No, you don't. I'm not suggesting that you need to feel sorry for people who are making hundreds of thousands of dollars, but, you know, also taking a moment to reflect on the fact that, yes, there are people who are not making hundreds of thousands of dollars who are now having their lives drastically changed because of a decision of one person. Yep. Or the performance of one person. I, it just, the, and here's the thing, like, this isn't just like, <laughs> this isn't just a sports thing. There, there are so many yeah. industries. I'm sure a lot of you are shaking your heads in agreement of like, oh yeah, that's very similar to how, like, there are a lot of like, I think of professors who want to be tenured and maybe don't get tenured yeah. and that's really heartbreaking. And then they're having to go figure something else out or departments are cut. And suddenly you're now like, this is, this is, this is real for a lot of people, um, no matter which way you slice it. I think what just kind of prompted this, and I haven't thankfully seen too much, and part of it is I don't think I follow too many people who would be overly critical of this anyway, yeah. but I know it's out there, is just being, I guess, having a little compassion for the people left behind. Knowing yeah. that, like amazing for Lincoln Riley. I mean, to be honest with you, Oklahoma probably did the, did this to itself. Um, Oklahoma probably would not have lost Lincoln Riley if it had remained in the big 12 Oklahoma in the sec is a very different coaching job. Yes, it is. It seems like he probably didn't want to deal with it. I don't know if I would go as far as the people who are calling him a traitor. I don't think that this is at this point being a traitor. I think for him, it's a matter of, do I stick with this job and potentially walk myself into a scenario where I cannot win in a conference against, I mean, it's not that Oklahoma can't do all right in the SEC. It's right. just a very different game in the SEC from the big 12. I mean, heck, it's well, a like, very different game from the Big 12 to the Big 10. Nebraska can tell you that. Right. Well, what I was going to say and add to that is like, if you have one coaching philosophy and then you go to a conference that doesn't align with that coaching philosophy, like, and may not be successful in that conference, I'm not saying that it would or wouldn't be, but I'm saying that maybe those things are some things to consider in this situation. Yeah. You know? It's just, everyone makes decisions. I mean everyone makes decisions that they feel are best for themselves. Right. Like I even think of like Scott Frost, Scott Frost clearly loved it at central Florida. He loved Orlando. He loved kind of the fact that he could get lost there. He could probably go to the grocery store and no one knew who he was, mm -hmm. or at least if they did, they didn't care as much because it just wasn't an environment like Lincoln, Nebraska, but he ultimately came to Lincoln because this is, this is for him, his homeschool. Like mm -hmm. this was a, there was a pull for him to come and to restore glory to the school that he loves. With that said, um, the decision to come to central Florida certainly still came with a lot of, um, to come from central Florida and Nebraska still mm -hmm. came with its own set of, um, you know, it, it, it's gonna, it's gonna change things. Anytime change happens, um, it creates a, snowball effect uh, everywhere else so you think mm -hmm. of like Lincoln Riley going to USC now leaves a vacancy at Oklahoma Brian Kelly going to LSU leaves a leaves a vacancy at Notre Dame there's a lot of people who believe um oh, what's his name I Luke Fickle uh at Cincinnati he apparently um from everything 
it sounds he's like Notre Dame is the dream job. So let's mm-hmm. say Luke Fickle ends up at Notre Dame. What happens to Cincinnati? Uh, other names like Matt Campbell have been thrown around yeah. of like maybe Matt Campbell goes somewhere. But then, OK, now Iowa State is left without its coach. Like the amount of spinning that these decisions make that when one person leaves and goes somewhere. So like when Scott Frost came to Nebraska and that job that was left open at Central Florida and the fact that somebody then has to take that and what yeah. happens to that job, it it eventually like stops somewhere because you have to start you have to start looking beyond coaches that are currently like at the highest level. You right. have to start looking at FCS ranks. You have to start looking elsewhere. And that's fine because you find some great coaches. Um, but it still creates a lot of uproar. And so like I imagine right now there's a lot of just there are a lot of uh, conversations that are probably yes. happening right now. Yeah. There are a lot of people who probably are without knowing, uh, trying to get around like, I don't know. It's this whole thing is just, um, we could spend a ton of time talking about this. And so what I would love to do at some point, and again, we talked about this for 2022 is maybe finding a former coach or former Mm -hmm. assistant who can talk about this experience because it has to just be a draining, draining. Yeah. Yeah whole thing this whole thing is just I can't I I can't imagine (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I can't either well and there's like you know a certain amount of stress obviously that comes along with any kind of coaching job but then you know you add the end of of you know regular football season um and I can't even imagine the amount of stress that that can cause because sometimes you don't know, especially if things have been bumpy or there are rumors swirling and people aren't immune to hearing rumors. Um, so I'm sure that that just adds to an additional layer of stress. The stress onion. It, it is. It is just st- stressful to the max. Mm-hmm. Now, we... Uh, there's going to be plenty to talk about. I'd love to hear what you all think. Cause so many of you, I know so many of you who listen to this are big um, college sports fan, professional yeah. sports fans. It doesn't have, you don't have to focus anything around college football specifically. Like I said, like this is actually a bigger discussion about women's versus men's sports, professional versus college. Mm. Um, I mean, even like into the high school ranks, there's, there's some like di- some controversy that happens there as well. Yeah. But like, I'd love to know what you kind of think in this whole thing. I saw someone yesterday say like, it, it feels like the bubble is going to burst at some point. And I'm like, you think, yeah. uh, but it hasn't yet. But like, I just want to say this one last thing. For every university who spent 2020 saying that the COVID-19 pandemic was going to completely destroy their finances, I still believe that to be true. But don't let them tell you that they couldn't have figured it out. Right. Because they somehow found a lot of money to make this happen for these coaches. So um, that is something I'm going to have a hard time squaring is the fact that so many of these universities were like, we won't be able to pay the bills. We've got to cut all of this. Like we've got to cut all of these salaries and, you know, furlough people and do all of this stuff. And it's like, somehow you seem to find the money when it came to this head coach. So there's a lot that wraps up into this world of like, collegiate uh there's a lot of money here and i to the people who say that yes i feel like the bubble has to burst eventually but i don't know when so yeah or how 
or how. Email <laughs> us at mindyourownpodcast@hillversity.com. <laughs> Love to hear from you. Um, I I was gonna I had it my Outlook open for like half a second, but my computer decided that it just did not want to do that. So if you have the emailed us, we'll we'll have more next week because yeah. uh, hopefully by that point my computer lets me open Outlook. Um, but again, mind your own podcast at hillversity.com. You know what we, we haven't also, done in a while. A mailbag. Yes. Should we just do a mailbag next week? Yeah. Okay, we'll do a mailbag next week. So send your questions. Send your comments. Let's just yeah. like have a conversation. Send whatever you want. Yes. Literally, the options are endless. <laughs> um, you can also tweet at us, at Sasha72, at Aaron Sorensen. We love to see the tweets come through as well. Yeah. And we'll we'll do a mailbag. That sounds fun. And maybe yeah. we can talk more about this. And like I can just like rage on more about how people need to be more like just understanding of the yes. chaos. <laughs> it's so chaotic. I can't even like wrap my mind around it this time of year. Every single year. <laughs> Every single year. You think we'd be used to it. We never yeah. will be. Nope. It nope. is what it is until the bubble itself bursts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you as always for tuning in, for listening. Um, thank you for your kindness. So many of you have reached out on Twitter, on an email just to say thanks for like chatting about things for giving new perspective. I really appreciate that because I know oftentimes many of you don't always agree with everything. So the fact that you're willing to listen, absorb, and like we learn so much from you too. keep, keep that conversation going. Cause this podcast is possible because of that. Email us, tweet us as Kim possible. Is it text? Call me, beat me. If you want to reach me. <laughs> what? I don't know what you're talking about. Impossible. Oh my God, we've got some work to do. With that, we will be back next week. Talk to you later. Bye. A Huda Media Production.